all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. We all know that there's so much controversy surrounding what constitutes a positive uh, Lyme test. So, you know, he said, according to the CDC, this is not a positive test. He's like, but based on my experience and what I'm seeing here, and all the symptoms you have, you know, all the stuff you've been dealing with over the years. And then he also had given me a low dose of doxycycline to take. And I had a terrible first reaction from that. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us almost every Thursday for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. As you ninjas know, we've been battling the well demons. (laughs) (laughs) Last Thursday they won. (laughs) You know, we went about 48 hours without running water in the house. And we, using this as an analogy for how to deal with Lyme disease, it's kind of funny, sort of, because it's just water and not a serious life-threatening disease. But it's a lesson in perseverance, having plan B, and diagnostics. Yes. Right? Yes. And perseverance. Did I mention perseverance? We did mention perseverance a few times. Yes. Oh, and taking the time to... Have self-care and actually deal with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Funny you should bring that up. So that's our way of saying sorry we missed you last Thursday. And we will be coming out with an episode this coming Thursday. So you'll have two this week. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 247 with Jen Nam. Also welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio and plumber helper, Aurora. Just call me Mario. Hello. And in this episode, you'll learn three main things. How stem cells can be used to speed up healing from Lyme disease. What stem cell therapy is like and why it's important to have a dream for what you will do when you get better. Thanks, Aurora, and a big shout-out to all you longtime Lime Ninjas. You're the reason we have 600,000-plus downloads. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in, and we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. If we haven't scared you away with our plumbing stories, we're glad you're here. 
As you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners tune in from Arona to Avalon and from Sag Harbor to San Diego. Thanks, Aurora. Tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Jen Nam. Jen, Jen's Lyme journey began when she and her husband made the decision to start a family. After an unsuccessful attempt at Western medicine fertility treatments, she went to an acupuncturist who suggested she and her husband might have an infection. This led her to get to getting diagnosed and treated for Lyme disease, treatment which included stem cell therapy. She now works as a health coach and a nutritional consultant. Now, this story is important to help you visualize the last phase of your Lyme journey. And what Jen came to the realization was she had gone through treatment. She was feeling much better, so had done a bunch of antibiotics, killed off a bunch of bugs, and she still wasn't where she wanted to be. So she took a long, hard look and decided stem cell therapy would help regenerate some of the damage that had been done. And that's really why she chose that path. And that's really, that's the final stage. That's phase three of your Lyme journey is finding out those last little crevices, those last little roadblocks, and maybe they're big roadblocks, to being healthy. Just because all the bugs have been cleared out of your system or they've been knocked into submission, right, knocked out, doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% healthy. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. You want to realize that once you've gotten over the infections and you're in control of your body again, there may be some repair that needs to be done. And stem cell therapy, it's an expensive way to go, but it's an alternative and something you may want to consider. All right, and here's our in-depth interview with Jen Nam. Hello, Jen. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hey, McKay. Nice to talk to you today. It is. And we are going to get into a very interesting conversation about stem cells. And what I'm really thrilled, I'm glad you contacted us. What I'm really thrilled about is this is from the receiving end and not from the giving end. So we can talk about you know, theories and case studies and stuff like that. But to actually talk to somebody who's been through it is very exciting. And so thank you for volunteering for this. You're welcome. And before we get into that, let's, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Because right now you're a nutrition consultant, health coach type person, natural foods, all that kind of good stuff. But you weren't always like that. Or maybe you were at heart, but not professionally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not always like that. Not at all. Um, how far back are we going to go? Are we going uh, early adulthood or childhood? How about early adulthood? <laughs> okay. So I was born and raised in the state of Michigan, but I moved to California when I shortly before my 21st birthday. So I've spent the majority of my adult life in the central coast of California. And um, moving out here was awesome for me, very different from where I grew up. Um, but shortly after I moved here, I began to experience random, what I like to call random health issues. Nothing too severe, but it just didn't seem right to me. 
So I kind of went along with my normal, you know, what I'd been taught is you trust doctors. And so I went to my doctor, I said, Hey, I'm having these really intense, um, intense sinus pressure and different things going on. And, you know, I'm wonder- wondering what could be happening here because it's, it's borderline debilitating sometimes. And, you know, she, I, at the time, I think it was probably 22, 23. And they, she looked at me and she's like, well, you know, it's probably just sinus issues. Uh, you know, it's just kind of something you have to deal with. Maybe you're having allergies from relocating here. So at that point, I just kind of resolved to um, live on DayQuil, which is what would get me through uh, to be able to work at the time. I had a full-time job and I was in school at a community college part-time. And as things progressed, my symptoms started to worsen. And um, right around the time I had met who is now my husband, I started to experience uh, different heart issues palpitations and, and various things, racing heart. And that really made me nervous because my uncle passed away in his early forties from a heart attack. So I that'll, was very That'll get concerned. your attention. Yeah. Right. Now, and did <laughs> and my, you, yeah. did you think this was anxiety or were you pretty sure it was, I'll say organic, physical? Physical. To me, it felt physical. Okay. For Just sure. curious. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really sure why this was happening. But it didn't feel physiological. It felt physical to me. Um, so besides the fact, you know, my uncle passing away at a very young age, my paternal grandfather, his father, also died at a very young age from a heart attack. So heart disease and heart issues is kind of a big deal in my family. So I got pretty nervous at that point in time. Uh, and I ended up, <laughs> my poor husband now, uh, shortly after we met, I ended up in the emergency room because I was so nervous about what was happening to me um, based on, you know, my family history. They checked me out and the diagnosis was microbial prolapse. And so from then on, I had yearly follow-ups with a cardiologist. And, you know, I wasn't prescribed any medication, thankfully. He did recommend that I take magnesium. And that did seem to help resolve a lot of the palpitations and things I was experiencing. Um, at the time, my diet was horrific. <laughs> Um, I sustained mostly on, um, you know, frozen foods and um, Santa Cruz is an area that has a, a quite a large vegan population. So um, I started drinking a lot of soy milk and I just, you know, I wasn't really concerned about the food I was eating. And none of the doctors that I saw, they were not concerned either. Even the cardiologist, no one ever really gave me any dietary recommendations. So as time went on, I got married quite young. I got married um, shortly after my 24th birthday. And um, as time went on, I just continued to have things progress that I just found were odd. And probably the, the one that also had me most concerned besides the heart issues that I experienced on and off um, was shortness of breath. My husband just thought it was so random that I could not keep up with him in many various different activities at such a young age. Um, and then also right around probably, gosh, I would say around my, my later 20s, I started to experience uh, extremely intense drenching night sweats. I would wake up completely soaked, um, felt like I had a fever, and then I would get cold. And 
I intuitively felt like my body was trying to fight something off, but I didn't know what that thing was. It made sense to me that, you know, I was getting some sort of feverish reaction. And I went to my, you know, OBGYN, my primary care doctor, and I said, look, why is this happening? This doesn't make any sense. I'm obviously not in menopause. I'm in my late 20s. You know, they, they checked my hormones. Everything was fine. And they just kind of blew it off. It's like, well, it's hormonal. Okay. <laughs> not sure what that means, but okay. And this progressed for many years, um, continued the night sweats and things progressed. I would say my experience with Lyme was a little different than some people where they have, you know, very intense symptoms that happen quickly. For me, I feel like Lyme and the co-infections I had progressed quite slowly. So it took a long time for my symptoms to get to where I felt like they were becoming borderline debilitating. You know, the night sweats, the heart stuff, the random things that would happen, I kind of just blew off as like, well, this is just how I am, right? I didn't know any better. Um, but then what, what, what was a big catalyst for me was when I was 30, my husband and I decided we wanted to start a family. And when we were two years into that and it hadn't happened yet, we started to do more research. And eventually, very, very long after my 30th birthday and us beginning to try to start a family, I was finally diagnosed with Lyme disease and co-infections. And that wasn't until 2012. And we started to try to start our family in 2005. And um, so, yeah, so right around 2007 is when I really started to look deeper into what might be happening to me and what could be the underlying cause of why I wasn't getting pregnant. Um, I unfortunately went the route of Western intervention for fertility, and that did not bode well for me. I believe uh, the intense treatments towards um, IVF and uh, what they call assisted reproductive technology actually worsened my health drastically. Hmm. After so, we did a couple of years of that, my health declined further. So, I mean, just uh, for most people, I think, no, but basically they pump you full of all kinds of hormones and attempt to regulate your cycle and <laughs> turn it into a super cycle. Right. So they're just exactly. I mean, they're giving your own injections and they're giving you injections. Right. It's, it's really intense. And it's super you, intense. Yes. And you and you think that really destabilized you in terms of your immune system and fighting off whatever was in there at the time. Absolutely. I would notice a marked decrease in my health after every cycle of IDF that I did. So, so yeah. So yeah. what is what does that mean? Because so far we've got you know the sinus kind of chronic sinus thing, palpitations, right. some air hunger, the night sweats. Right. It's like okay, that's kind of you know it's weird right. for a so young those, person, but okay. Right. So those became more severe and more frequent, um, but what started to occur that was different is I started to have more body pain. Mm. Um, more aches. I started to have more um, mental, uh, I guess you could say, I don't know if mental is the right word, but brain issues where I was becoming, I, the best way I can describe it is I felt like I was extremely edgy. I was always on edge. Um, you know, I, I just never felt like I could relax. Eventually it went on to more of irrational fear. Uh, my moods were completely erratic. My poor husband, I mean, 
<laughs> the guys lived through a lot. And, you know, somewhat it would turn into anxiety sometimes. I would feel really overwhelmed over things that I probably shouldn't have. And then I started to have more pain in my upper shoulders, down my spine. Uh, eventually it migrated into my joints that that happened much later, probably around 2010, where I would ha have consistent ankle and knee pain. Mm -hmm. I kind of started to blame that on my job because I sat at a desk for 40 hours a week. So I thought, you know, oh, you know, my, I'm not in the right position. I need to get a different chair, or, you know, just this or just that, but nothing, you know, change the shoes I wear. It's funny but how you rationalize. None of those things help. Yeah. Right. Right. None of those things would would help. Um, the, the sinus stuff at that point had resolved like the actual presentation of that. But I still had a constant feeling of having swollen glands behind my ears. But that was something that never really fully resolved for me until I started getting Lyme treatment. So um, then where so, where yeah. does where does Lyme come? Where does the idea like, you know what, maybe this is Lyme disease. Where does that come from? So, <laughs> well, where that came from is so after our fifth attempt at IVF and it didn't work and the doctors were stunned because my husband and I were quite young as far as the world of fertility for receiving treatments. We were both well below 35. Mm -hmm. um, he's four years younger. So um, they literally had no explanation for me. And at that point, I was just completely frustrated and I didn't have any faith. I was very quickly losing faith in any sort of um, Western type medicine. So I decided to take a break and I decided to do acupuncture. And so from that channel of doing acupuncture to support my overall health and wellness, plus my fertility led me to a gentleman that I saw for quite some time down in Southern California who specializes in fertility. Um, and he was pretty sure that my husband and I were sharing an infection of some sort, or there was some infectious thing going on with us. Um, and he said he had seen this often. Hmm. So he encouraged me to find he, what he called at the time, this was again, back in 2012. So, so things have changed drastically. He encouraged me to find what he referred to as an environmental medicine uh, doctor, someone who could check, me for mold, check our, have our house checked for mold. He, he made me a huge list of things to get checked for. Lyme was not one of them. However, the doctor I found, I, unbeknownst to me at the time when I found him, was actually a doctor who was familiar with treating Lyme. And so when I went for my consultation with him and I brought him my ginormous stack of, you know, medical records and I shared my story and I said, you know, I have this weird joint pain. I guess I'm just getting old. And at the time I was right around 35, he kind of laughed and he said, you're not old. He's like a 35 year old should not be experiencing the joint pain that you're telling me about or any of the other stuff you're going through. So he said, I'll go ahead and test you for everything your doctor of Chinese medicine would like. However, I also think we should check you for Lyme disease. And I said, great, I'm all, I'm open. Let's figure this out. Cause I was really wanting to get to the root cause of whatever really was causing my fertility problems. But of course, what had been, you know, causing my random health issues over the years, but I, I really wanted children. So it was a, a huge motivator <laughs> to do pretty much anything. That's awesome. Now, what test, do you know what test he did back then? Maybe you weren't. Yes. Oh, okay. So was it just the standard Absolutely. or did he send it off to Igenix? No, he sent it to Igenix. 
because n- now I know that he was an actual Lyme doctor. I, I found out after the fact that his son had actually had Lyme disease. No. So he was um, treating people for Lyme. Yes. Uh, I just didn't know he was a Lyme literate MD at the time when I went to see him. He was about so, two hours from me. He was the only person I could find to do all the tests I needed. Yeah, so it was dumb luck, basically. Yeah, basically. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Okay, so now the test comes back and he says, uh, Jen, I have some news for you. Well, the test comes back, and that's the fun thing about these tests, right, is we all know that there's so much controversy surrounding what constitutes a positive uh, Lyme test. So, you know, he said, according to the CDC, this is not a positive test. He's like, but based on my experience and what I'm seeing here, and all the symptoms you have, you know, all the stuff you've been dealing with over the years. And then he also had given me a low dose of doxycycline to take. Ah. And I had a terrible Herx reaction from that. But I actually, at the time, did not know what was going on. I thought I had an allergic reaction. And I called him up very concerned. And I said, hey, this antibiotic you gave me made me feel terrible. I said, I don't know what's going on, but but I don't think I should be taking this anymore. And he said, well... That even makes me more suspicious that you are dealing with Lyme disease based on your reaction, because he then explained to me what a Herx was. So my test was not a slam dunk positive by any means uh, to CDC or even Lyme letter doctor guidelines. I can't recall what bands I had the positives, but I had a couple positives and then what he called what he referred to as borderline. Mm-hmm. But he explained to me that, you know, diagnosis with Lyme disease and co-infections is very much clinical. And that, you know, looking at my history and all my symptoms, it just made sense. And then yeah. when I looked up all the symptoms, it made sense too. Even more, right? Yeah. And, and back exactly. Then, I was like, this, this is me. Right. And back then, the Igenix test was uh, was a lot simpler than it well, They were just testing for two strains of Borrelia. Exactly. So, and, and now exactly. their test is so far more advanced and, and better off. Um, so, okay. So that's... Excellent. So now, so now, so let's, yeah, let's I, rewind. I story. <laughs> yeah, it is a long story. And I'm glad we kind of started in the middle instead of at the beginning of it. <laughs> but this is, mm-hmm. this is super important because this is, this is the story that's told again and again. But each time it's told, it gives a slightly different flavor, a slightly different color. And people learn something from it every single time. And I learned something every single time. You can't, if you just skip ahead to the, you know, this is what I did. You, you miss the nuances and how those choices are made. Because if we had like skip to the end and, you know, there is just simply one protocol that works for everybody all the time, we wouldn't need to know the, the background and the story. But until we get to right. that point, the choices we make to treat and what works and what doesn't is is critical. It's critical. And and all the misdiagnosis that happens out there. You know, the whole thing where the CDC went from 30,000 to 300,000 means that there are 270,000 undiagnosed people out there every single year. That's super scary. You know, not, not all of them it are is. super sick, but there are a lot of them. We're like you, kind of functionally sick, really struggling and trying to figure out what's wrong. And, you know, nobody said, well, maybe it's Lyme disease. Anyway, so what I want to do here, I don't want to actually, I'd say anyway, but I don't mean to dismiss what I just said when I said it was really important. But my prior <laughs> point was to ask you, did you get, 
do you think got infected in Michigan and brought it with you? Or are you an outdoors girl and you think you got it in California? Do you have any idea? Absolutely. Um, my my gut feeling um, is I definitely got this in Michigan. I grew up in a fairly rural area. My sister and I were outside during the warm months. We played in the woods. I lived on a lake. We loved being outside. Um, so I definitely think it's something that my, my sister also has Lyme disease. Uh, or had Lyme disease. Um, yeah. So I definitely think it's either something that we picked up as kids or possibly congenital because yeah. we both have it. Uh, my mom, you know, has Hashimoto's and, you know, my dad has had his fair share of health issues recently. So it is interesting to me, you know, knowing what I know now about what Lyme can do to the body. Yeah. That, you know, it's potential congenital congenital for both of us or when we were young kids. But my strain of the Bicia that I had mm-hmm. is the strain that's more typically found in the Midwest or East Coast. So when my so the Lyme doctor I ended up actually working with, which is not the gentleman who tested me just because he was so far away from where I lived. It was just didn't make sense to travel. Um he my actual Lyme doctor who I worked with screened me for co-infections and that the Bicia strain was not the West, the typical West Coast strain. So that made me very suspicious that I was infected at some point in Michigan. Right. Awesome. Thank you. And, mm-hmm. and so what other co-infections did you have? So Lyme, Babesia? Bartonella, the typical, you know, the, the three, right? Yep. That most of us are dealing with. Um, I can't, you know, I know a lot of people say that, oh, this is definitely my Babesia. This was definitely Bartonella. For me, I can't say, you know, my one symptoms with this or that, although I do think the night sucks are probably more of a Babesia thing. Would make sense. From what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. But but we can get night sweats from all kinds of things. Like you said. All kinds. Right. Hormonal dysregulation. You know, like we see that all exactly. the time, you know, with with the with the menopausal and premenopausal things, right. and they're, they're not infected. It's just hormone dys- dysregulation. And goodness knows that these infections can really just hammer your thyroid and other endocrine glands. So, exactly, you know, it's it's nice to be able to say the symptoms right can guide you, but they're not one hundred percent diagnostic by any stretch. Okay, right. so. Now you've finally got yourself a Lyme doc. You've got your full diagnosis. And in your mind, it's like, okay, let's do some antibiotics and then I'll be fine. Or did you know that you were in for the long haul? I had no idea uh, what I was in for. I The little bit that I knew about Lyme in Michigan, it was known that it was affecting the deer population. So... I was aware of Lyme disease, but only to that degree. I didn't really know that humans could be affected so greatly. So I thought, yeah, I'll do some treatment and I'll be good. I didn't think it, you know, I had no idea what to expect. And then when I started digging deeper, I was like, wow, this sounds pretty intense. And then, you know, my my treatment time was, was quite long, obviously, because I had been dealing with this for decades of my life so no I was not prepared for what I was in for (laughs) absolutely not I was excited though honestly to finally have a name for what was happening to me and a a plan you know I had a plan Um, I intuitively felt like I could overcome this 
with the right treatment and the right doctor. And so that I was glad about because I was no longer just in the dark trying to figure out why can I get pregnant? Why am I having all this stuff? Why is my digestion? You know, as things went on later, my digestion was horrific. So all the whys as to why this is happening, I felt like I finally had my answer. So I was really happy, honestly. Now, at some point early on, I won't say early, or the midpoint on there, did you get to the point where you said, you know what? We've we've got the diagnoses. We've been treating. I'm not, you know, I've I've made some progress. I haven't made all the progress I want. This I need to take some control of this myself. Did you ever reach that point, or did you have the support where you could just kind of lay back and say, you know what, I completely trust my guys, my you know my Lyme docs, my support system, my husband. They they're really carrying me in the right direction. All I need to do is just relax and let them take me. No, <laughs> no, I, I, again, darn, I'm I thought you might've been the first course. one. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, trying to have children what, and, and my desire to be a mom has been one of the biggest driving force forces for me to find out what was going on with my health and recover. And so, no. And, and what was great is my line doctor. He's a naturopathic doctor. So I was really, um, it was really important to me to work with a naturopathic doctor because I, in the little bit of research I did before I started treating, um, what I was finding is that a multifaceted approach that may include antibiotics and herbs was typically what helped most people recover, at least when what I found at the time, right? I, and this is again, I can't believe it's already 2019. That was all the way back in 2012. But for me at the time, I felt like I wanted to go that way. I, I was open to antibiotics. I was open to herbs only, but I really wanted to work with someone who knew both facets well. And then I continued acupuncture. I always was looking and my line doctor is very collaborative. He's, he has like zero ego, which is awesome. He would answer any questions I had. If I had, if I brought him, Hey, what about this? Hey, can we try this? Let's do this totally open to talking about it, you know, considering it if it was something he hadn't heard of and possibly going for it if I really felt, you know, intuitively that I wanted to try that. And I, for me, that was really important because, you know, working with someone who was like, no, we're going to do it this way. And this is my way. And this is the only way would not have worked for me. And I actually don't think that's good for anyone. It, it, a, this, it, this requires a collaboration, honestly. I feel like of, of many, many people to help you get better. So I was glad that he was open that way. And from a personally, from a, from a selfish point of view as an acupuncturist, tell me how did acupuncture support you? Cause I have my ideas with my patients, mm -hmm. but, but tell me mm -hmm. what did, what did you get from the treatments? Cause you did not, you know, you kept up with the acupuncture. I did. And I still do. Um, so I just felt like acupuncture for me was just another way to support my health. I credit acupuncture with helping me figure out that I had Lyme disease because if I hadn't been seeing acupuncturists who were also, again, open to different things and testing for different things that, that they may not be able to test for based on, you know, all the laws and stuff that delegate that, um, 
so yeah, so how it's helped me, sorry, I kind of got off track there. Um, it definitely reduced a lot of my physical pain symptoms when I would go in and get acupuncture. I think it helped oftentimes with some of the brain issues that I was experiencing. If I was having a herc, I always felt like acupuncture could kind of bring me, bring it down and help calm things and have my body not be so reactive. Uh, I just think, especially for my nervous system and the, and the type of personality I was at the time and, and previously, I needed something to work on more of the parasympathetic part of my nervous system. And I think that's a really important part for me throughout the process. I know better now about how much that affects our health. But when I first started acupuncture, I really had no idea how important that was. So I think it did help calm my nervous system down quite a bit too. It's interesting. It's almost uh, the acupuncture is now uh, kind of like almost a required, that's not quite right, but in cancer centers, in order for a cancer center mm. to become accredited, they have to at least uh, offer acupuncture. They don't have to have a personal staff, but they have to list that in their menu of services. And it's it's almost the same thing. It's like the, the acupuncture itself isn't going to eliminate the cancer, but it makes dealing with the whole process so much easier, just and just like you described. And that's kind of been my experience too on my end of things. And I just I wanted to hear your experience as well. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, I love acupuncture. And also, I'd like to put a feather in acupuncture's cap because the acupuncturist said, you know, this smells like an infection. So we don't know which one it is, but there's something going on. So that's right. And really, you know, part of that is the time that a practitioner like that has with you. And they're just, they just have more time to ask questions and be curious as opposed to a doctor who's got their five to seven minutes and is running behind probably about an hour and a half. Um, and it just, it's, the system is just so, so difficult to do a nuanced, uh, diagnosis over time. So. I agree. Yeah. I'm sure the extra time and the frequency of me being in there was very, and very helpful. Yeah. Now let's move over to your trip to Germany Infusio, the stem cells. How did you get to that point thinking, you know what? Stem cells sound like a really good idea. Well, this is going to sound a little nutty. Um, <laughs> so typically I'm Try the me. person who will, re <laughs> will research things, things to the nth degree, you know, and I'll hem and haw and write down the positives and the negatives and, you know, really think about it. And, you know, I was two and a half years into treating with my Lyme doctor in my area. He was awesome. I made tons of progress. I would say at the point when um, I decided to go to Germany, I was about 80% recovered. So I was feeling pretty darn good. Uh, I was also approaching my 40th birthday. It was, it was not too far in the distant future. I just turned 39 a couple months before. Still really wanted to have that baby. Um, and I randomly happened upon a uh, a person I didn't even know at a party. And he happened to know through our friend, our mutual friend that I had Lyme disease. And he said, Hey, my boss's wife had Lyme disease and she got, she had stem cell therapy and it really helped her. And I was like, really? I'm like, gosh, I've never heard of that. And so 
you know, next appointment I had with my line doctor, I said, Hey, can you, what do you know about stem cells? You know, anything, what, what I, someone told me that it really helped them with Lyme disease or, you know, friend of a friend. And he said, Oh, it's interesting that you asked. So I'll preface this with that. My Lyme doctor is from Switzerland. So he was born and raised in Switzerland. And so he, you know, how things are in Switzerland and Germany with, when it comes to like stem cell therapy and those types of medicines, it's, it's more of a common thing than in the United States. They're more open with that type of um, medicine, we'll say. So he said, it's funny you ask. I just um, learned of this clinic that is starting a new program for people with Lyme disease. And, you know, it sounds interesting. You may want to have a consult at the time the one of the founders was coming to the North Bay area, Marin County, and working with a naturopath to do consults for people. Um, and I said, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get in and, and see what it's all about. So I had my, so that was probably sometime around the mid to end of September um, that I talked to my Lyme doctor and randomly the gentleman who um, was one of the founders of Infusio was just happened to be in the North Bay area and had a cancellation. So I went ahead and this is about two hours from where I live. So it's not close, but I went ahead and took the day off work and drove up there to have the consult. And during the appointment, it was a little different. It was different than I had ever, a different appointment than I'd ever experienced. They have a, what at the time was called, I don't know if they still use this. Like I said, this is years ago now, a global diagnostic machine and it does a scan of the body. Mm-hmm. There's a couple different machines like this. Um, yep. One is also called a time time weaver I've heard of. And so I thought I was actually, you know, I meet him. He said, okay, we're going to do a scan. And I was like, wow, this is really odd. Um, but I went for it and I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust that I meant to be here. And they did the scan and he explained what it said and, you know, kind of explained to me what they were doing in Germany. And I said, okay, you know, thanks. It sounds a little too good to be true, but you know, I'll, I'll talk to my Lyme doctor and talk to my husband and I'll, you know, do some research and then, you know, let you know, um, you know, they gave me names of a couple people who had been treated for Lyme to talk to. And then I kind of started using the internet to search around if there was any information. And at the time there was not a lot of information. So, um, I spoke to my Lyme doctor who I trust, uh, I, I just trust him. He, he's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, you know, give me, give me the details here. I'm like, how, how, <laughs> how crazy me. does this sound? I'm like, yeah. you know, it's my own stem cells. So he's like, you know, it's your own cells. He's like, so in my opinion, it, it seems fairly low risk. You know, it's not like you're taking embryonic stem cells or stem cells from someone else. Um, he's like, so it's, it's fairly low risk. He's like, you know, I know stem cells are more of a, a common thing that's been happening in Germany. Um, you know, for a couple decades now. And he says, I don't really think anything you're going to do is going to hurt. He's like, obviously, I can't guarantee it's going to help. He's like, but if you feel strongly that you should go for it, you should go for it. And again, back to the baby thing, my biggest motivator is um, I really wanted a baby. And I really wanted to kind of speed up my treatment time. So I was two and a half years in at this point. And I thought, man, if I can do this and kind of get to the point of remission at a, at a quicker pace, um, that was attractive to me from, from the fertility standpoint, right? Because yeah. uh, I was probably looking at maybe another year or so of treating with my Lyme doctor before, you know, we felt like we could get me to the full 100%. And I have no doubt 
that my Lyme doctor, that he wouldn't have helped me get to 100%. So my desire was more based on, based on going ahead and getting this done more quickly. So hopefully these children I was really wanting could get here sooner. <laughs> that was my probably my biggest motivating factor for doing the stem cells was to speed up my, my healing process. Um, and I do want to say that um, the treatment I had in Germany was not just stem cells. So I don't know if you want me to get into that, but it was more than just stem cell therapy. Yeah, so what else did they pair with that? Okay, so at the time, um, the clinic I, I went to is in Fusio. They actually were not a stem cell clinic, so they had a partner agreement with a clinic that had been doing autologous stem cell therapy for about 20 years in a, a smaller town in Germany. Okay, so the process was you would show up, and the treatments that you had varied. You got a lot of IV nutrients, um, you know, things like Myers cocktails. We, I did ozone therapy. I did vitamin C therapy. They did a different type of treatment at the time, which kind of was like, this is a little interesting, but it's called dioxychlor, which is basically uh, a very low dose of, hmm, how do I say this? Um, I don't, it's not bleach, <laughs> but it's an inorganic, yeah. So I'll just, I, I have it pulled up here just because there is some writing on it. So it says it's an inorganic sodium salt of only electronegative elements bound together by electrostatic covalent and coordinate covalent bonds. So the way they explained it to me is that it was something that I would receive. It's, it's kind of what he called like the killing agent, mm -hmm. a low dose of something that would kill off, you know, by, um, bacteria, you know, the babesia, it would help like kind of, it'd be, it's kind of like an antibiotic, but it's not, right? It's different yeah. from an antibiotic. Yeah. So I got a very, very low dose of that every day, um, along with support um, infusions, you know, nutrients, amino acids. Um, and then I would also do thymus injections. So the thymus gland is what really helps modulate our immune system and so every day I was there I received a thymus injection at the end of the day and those were it's a glandular I, I think Chinese medicine is pretty they use glandulars so it's just a very concentrated glandular you know in the form of an injection from sheep and so I re received thymus and that was to help modulate my immune system and get it to be in balance it's not a immune suppressive and it's not an immune um what is that called when it um, increases immune function? It's, it's a modulator. So if you're, it balances things out. So in addition to the, all that, I also had stem cells and how that worked is that I took basically what I like to call a, a two hour field trip with a bunch of other people who were at the clinic and this clinic only would see about five people um, at a time. So it's not like it was a crowd of hundreds. So we all went and we had our blood drawn at the clinic that, did the stem cells. They drew out our blood, about a pint of blood, and then they would um, spun it, did its thing, and then they they um, fed it cytokines to help grow our stem cells. So, you know, they drew my blood and they got X amount of a million or billions of stem cells, I believe. I can't remember exactly how many billion of stem cells that they drew out. And then they let them grow and fed them basically cytokines to help them grow for a week and then I went back 
and they gave me the injection of my stem cells that had been grown into more stem cells. So, you know, the draw that they, they, they took out, the, the blood work that I, the stem cells I got back were, were multiplied tremendously more than the stem cells I, you know, I received more than what I gave. So, for example, um, I just pulled up my paperwork. So when they did my blood draw, my original stem cell harvest was 1.39 million. And then after the week of growing, I, they were multiplied to 5.2 million. And then they just injected them in my arm. I was, I was going to ask, so they just put it back into your bloodstream? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, I mean, stem cells, so blood, what do they call it, hemopoietic stem cells? I forget the the technical term. I've heard them called autologous stem cells, but everybody has their terms. They're so not I th- I think, from your fat. Yeah, so we're. I mean, we're. I'm. I know less than you because at least you've been through it. So the, I think the autologous just means that it, they came from you. That they take them from your out of side you. Right. Yeah, and, and they put them back in. So the hemopoietic Correct. is the is the kind of bone marrow stem cell based thing. So our blood. The, our blood is formed from stem cells in the bone marrow, but then they migrate out of the bone marrow into our bloodstream. And my understanding is, and I may be totally wrong here. I should do my research and we'll, we'll figure this out and we'll talk about this on the, the outro. My understanding about this is most of our immune system or a lot of the immune system cells really kind of get differentiated, grows up later on, but starts in the bone marrow. So it sounds to me like what they're doing is really an immune. Uh, they're giving lots more raw material for immune system to get up and get going, and so Correct. so with and so now you've got the thymus treatments which are doing things and the vitamin C which helps your immune system too and all this other stuff. Did you have herxes when you were over there? Did you feel like your immune system went after something? Amazingly, uh, I felt pretty darn good in my, you know, it was 10 days of treatment. Um, Post stem cell injection, I felt a little off. I got a a headache, which at the time was pretty unusual for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt more tired than usual. But leading up to that, you know, besides obviously jet lag from flying to Germany, I felt pretty good. Um, And I felt like, you know, a lot of things that had been depleted <laughs> over the years were, were being repleted, I guess you'll say. You know, I was yeah. I was getting some therapies that I probably really needed. I hadn't really done a lot of vitamin therapies, IV vitamin therapies or anything like that during my Lyme treatment here in the state. So that was all new to me. I, I don't know why, but I had this weird, I've thought a lot about this. I've had this weird, um, like, thought my own, like, my thing it was like, if I'm getting IVs and I'm really a sick person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you Isn't know it funny I mean? how we make like, that I stuff up? Myself, yeah. Right. You know, and so I told myself, like, I didn't want to do ever do IV antibiotics because that meant I was really sick. I didn't want right. to do IV nutrients because that meant I was really sick. <laughs> right. And if In I avoid hindsight, them, probably yes. the best thing for me. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, but that's funny you identified that because we have all these funny little rules we've made up going through life and some of them just get in the way and they can be as as silly we're laughing about it now but it was a real thing like you were avoiding those type of things like, nope not going to do that just dismiss the right. therapy completely out of hand just because that would mean i'm really sick 
Yeah. Right. And I will say, um, so unfortunately, the, the actual stem cell clinic um, that did this whole process is no longer um, around, unfortunately. Right around um, the time I went, the, the gentleman, the founder, um, had passed away about a week before, a couple of weeks before I visited Germany. And then his daughter, who actually is an MD who trained at John Hopkins, and then went back to Germany to do medicine. Um, she was the one who did the whole process for us, the blood draw. And then the, it was a lab there that did the actual stem cell growing in the lab. And, and the growing part is what we can't do here in the United States. Hmm. We are not allowed to keep anything outside the body for more than 24 hours. Hmm. So that was the key factor of, of a different type of treatment than what you could get at the time and you know and it still is so the, the growing part and then feeding my stem cells and growing them to 5 million instead of 1.3 was something that still can't happen here in the united states today due to our regulation excellent <laughs> i suppose yeah. they're trying well, that, to protect us yeah. or whatever but it's like, I, okay I, yes i understand that but so this clinic actually like i said had been around since um let's see that was 2014 so i think they were they started somewhere in the early 80s. They actually had treated President Ronald Reagan with stem cells for Alzheimer's and um, uh, several other people from the United States who had traveled there for stem cell therapy. So it wasn't just some new clinic that had just opened up a couple of years ago. Um, the actual people who were providing the stem cell therapy had been around for a couple decades. So I felt better about that too. I, you know, I, I'm somewhat of a human guinea pig, but I felt, you know, hey, they've been doing this for, you know, almost or about 20 years at that point. Um, so I felt like conf more confident with it than if it was just someone like, yeah, we're just trying this out on you, and well, we'll see how it works. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> you which is also part of what happens in time. <laughs> yeah, you you talked about the stem cells. And your experiencing experience there as replenishing and rejuvenating is, I mean, is that in looking back, is that like, is that the stage of healing where you were? Like it wasn't, did you feel like in looking back, say, okay, I was mostly over most of the infections and what needed to happen next was I needed to really recover from being sick and fighting all these infections for so very long. That's a good question. I think that was definitely part of it, uh, for sure, that I, you know, I'd been in the, the fight mode for so long, but I probably needed to focus a little bit more on the, the you know, recovery mode. And I definitely think that was part of it, just the rebuilding. But I also think, uh, you know, once I got back, you kind of have a, a period where it's a little rough at first. Your body's doing a lot in the first hundred days after you receive your stem cells and, you know, the thymus therapy and everything. So it wasn't like I came home and everything was perfect. Um, I noticed a marked improvement about four months later. Um, but there were improvements that I noticed almost immediately. One of the biggest ones is a lot of my body aches and pains that I had, you know, upon arrival. Um, to Germany pretty much resolved within three to four days of just the treatments I was having there. So I don't know if that was a thymus or if it was just um, rebuilding nutrients that I was deficient in. Uh, at the time, my digestion had mostly recovered, but, you know, obviously if we're taking supplements and not absorbing them, 
they're What's not helping the us, right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> right. So maybe I, I can't, I, there was so much going on, so I can't point to like what one thing mm -hmm. it was. But I do know I felt a major, I always felt like I kind of carried like a heaviness in my body. And that went away about for, you know, near the, the end of my first week of being in Germany. I didn't feel a as achy or heavy or just like, I, I don't know how else to describe it after being there about a week. And that so was you, before I took them. So. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So you got some immediate feedback that, okay, this is good. Yes. And thankfully I did because, you know, again, this is a huge step of faith for me to do this. I mean, I, like I said, I had my appointment, um, you know, the initial consult, and then I was on the plane about three weeks later to go to Germany. So I made my decision rather quickly. Yeah. And it's not cheap. No. And, and that you don't is, have to tell me yeah, how much it is, but it's like a leap no. of faith too. It's like, it's, you know, it's not just like, Correct. oh, well, we'll try this. It's like, okay. It's but another thing, and this is kind of goes back to, you know, I have a history in the mortgage industry, so I was very much into numbers. Mm -hmm. And so I ran all the numbers because um, you're right. It's not inexpensive to do travel abroad and do medical treatment. But I looked at what I had spent over the past two and a half years doing yeah. my treatment. And then I looked at what I was going to spend. And I said, okay, well, you know, if this works, like I'm hoping it will. This will actually save me money. I'm going to save money. In the long run. The more you and, spend, and the more time. you save. <laughs> right. And, and, and really, for me, it was more about time. I yeah. wanted to not right. spend another, hopefully, two years treating, and I really wanted to have those babies. So yes. <laughs> that was a big motivator for me. Now, you can totally say no to this, but are you willing to share like the total number of dollars you spent treating? If I remember correctly, and mind you, I'm one of the lucky people that had a PPO that would cover part of my treatments, mm -hmm. amazingly enough. Wow. Um, I think out of pocket, I was an average spending anywhere between probably right around $12,000 a year on average, just on the line treatments. And that, again, I had partial insurance coverage. A lot of my prescriptions were covered. My appointments with my Lyme and D were covered by about 50%. And I, and then, you know, of course, herbs and acupuncture and all that stuff isn't covered. So yeah, I was averaging about $12,000 a year. Significant, but not crazy. You hear stories where people are in, into six figures. Yeah. 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 I was very lucky because the insurance did cover quite a bit. Yeah, for me, awesome. um, more than, you know, like I was on, I don't know if you know what Mepcron is, but it's yep. for Babesia. Yep. Very expensive prescription drug, and my insurance covered it almost completely. Wow, and I think the the cost of that is around $1,500 for one bottle. Yeah. So I was very lucky that way, yes. Now, also being a numbers person, I have to ask, did you at some point sit down and do a Lyme budget? Did I do a Lyme budget? Yeah, no, like, I just wanted to get better. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to get better. And I, I really, I, like I said, my, oh, I'm sure you're noticing this thing. My, my biggest motivator besides wanting to regain my health was to have children. Have children. And so I, I, I was pretty much to the point where I was going to do darn near anything to make that happen. Um, you know, if I could, and obviously it's not all up to me, but <laughs> whatever was within my power, I was yeah. going to try to do. Within reason, right? And within what felt right to me. 
And so looking back, would you do the stem cell treatment again? Absolutely. Yes. For me, I think it was the right thing to do. It definitely got me to the point of being 100%. It has helped me, I believe, stay at 100% among many other things that I'm still continuing to do as I learn what it really takes, you know, to, to have good health. It's not just about what we eat and what we do, but it's sometimes also about what we don't do. And sometimes doing too much can be just as bad for us as not doing. It's often hard to sort that out, isn't it? Yes. Um, can I say one thing about stem, one more thing about stem cells? Yes, you may. Okay. I would be remiss to not mention the wonderful, at the time of Infusio, the wonderful head doctor, uh, naturopath, Dr. Michael Whitstat. He I, is one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. And um he currently has his own clinic and that would be probably my one recommendation to anyone who is considering stem cell therapy is that they visit him at his clinic. It's called Villa Metagroom. Um, say, say that again. He, it's Villa Metagroom. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Villa Metagroom. And if I were to do stem cells today or to talk to anyone about doing stem cells today, that is the clinic I would recommend people look for especially for Lyme especially. He treats most of his patients are Lyme patients and he's an excellent doctor. And just and I know human you being. Yes, you, you mentioned this in your email but we'll just state it here explicitly that you're not getting a kickback in free stem cells or, you know, whatever. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I even um after I came back from Infusio, I spent probably almost 2 years uh I did a a crazy little blog that wasn't meant to be much and it didn't really turn out too much, but I did end up talking to probably almost a hundred people one-on-one um, -on -one about my experience. Um, usually yeah. I spend about an average of two hours on the phone with people. And I just did that. Just that was not anything I was asked to do. I just did that to help people make a decision on what was best for them. Yeah. That's awesome. And speaking of that, your experience has, inspired to move away from mortgage business and you're now a health coach and tell us a little bit about how your journey impacts what you're doing with people and how it informs your your coaching these days well for me dietary changes uh, obviously everyone with Lyme has I'm sure has this experience has been one of the best things I could have done to help regain my health uh, shortly before I was diagnosed with Lyme, I had started to think about doing the GAPS program. I don't know if you're familiar with GAPS. Of course. It, yeah. So I was just about to embark on GAPS and then I got my diagnosis of Lyme. And so I was like, okay, let's see what, what this is all about here. So after working in the very stressful mortgage industry and that taking a pretty significant toll on my health. Um, I quit working. It took a couple of years when I was mostly focusing on treating Lyme. And then I decided to go back to school and do what I had wanted to do for many years, which is to become a nutrition consultant. And I also decided because I found gaps to be very helpful to me while I was going through my Lyme treatments, I also decided to become a certified gaps practitioner. So those 
two things combined um, really helped me, the diet and the lifestyle changes. And GAPS does work on the lifestyle changes as well, as well as being a nutrition component. It's not just about the food. But um, yeah, so the overall big umbrella of dietary and lifestyle changes, I definitely think are, are 100% necessary with anything that you're going through, but especially with Lyme and co-infection. Now, if somebody wanted to get hold of you, how would they do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can contact me via my website. It's called flourishinghealth.com. And all my contact information is there. And I work, even though I'm in California, I work remotely with people or locally. I can do both. The amazing world of the internet. It is. It's amazing. It's funny. We get people literally from all over the world listening to this. It's crazy. Some of the countries that will... We'll tune in. We'll look at our stats for a week, and we'll find somebody from Kuwait or Nepal. Wow. Just, just like what? How did you find us? And why are you interested in Lyme? <laughs> I'd love to ask those questions one day. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. if you're if you're in Kuwait listening to this, yeah, if you're in Kuwait listening to this, and tell please send us an email to feedback at LymeNinjaRadio.com and tell us how come you're listening to us because I think that's pretty awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jen, you've been extraordinarily, gener- extraordinarily generous with your time. I really appreciate it. And I want to give you the last word. Oh, last word. I think the last word would be is just don't give up. Stay the course and believe in yourself that you can get better. It's possible. I think that needs to be the title of a book. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. It was great talking to you. such a great interview and you know first of all hearing about the stem cell therapy was great it's always great to get a first-hand experience for that you hear so much about it but, but you don't you, run into people who've gone through it that exactly often, right? exactly and what really struck me was her goal to have a family yes you know that that was that definitive goal is like okay i'm getting better because of this this is why i'm doing all of these things this is going to um affect all of the decisions i make basically it's it's really great it goes to show how important that kind of end goal is have a vision of yes what getting back to full health would look like yes absolutely we need something that motivates us and it can be anything. For some people, it's something simple. One of my first patients way back when, she was a lovely old woman. And what motivated her every day to get out of bed and fight through her arthritic pain was the bluebirds in her backyard. And she wanted to see what the bluebirds were up to that morning. And that, it was amazing. Such a small thing, right? You could laugh at it and say, oh, that's ridiculous. But for her, it was very important. And it got her out of bed every morning, which as you know, can be a big deal. All right. If you want to take a look at the three phases that we put together for a Lyme journey and our Lyme journey roadmap, just head on over to LymeNinjaRadio.com, click on extras, and you'll be taken to a graphic representation of that journey. 
And it's an outline. You'll have to do the work yourself to fill it in, but it really gives you the steps that you need. And you can figure out where you are on your journey and what you need to do, whether you need to circle back and start one of the levels again to really get through that. I think it's a very helpful tool. So just head on over there. It's free. Just click on download and you can print it out, put it on your refrigerator, hang it above your desk, whatever you want to do. Put it on a (laughs) t-shirt. All right, That'd Aurora. be a great t-shirt, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, do you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything? Send an email to feedback at limeninjaradio.com. Yes, most of these past interviews that we've done are from suggestions from you, our listeners out there. So keep them coming. We really want to keep this current and relevant to you. We'd love to hear from you. We try to get hold of everybody you suggest. Most people are willing. Some people aren't. And we do our best to bring them on the show. And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button on the bottom of your podcast app. That way you won't miss an episode and you'll be completely up to date on our plumbing. And if you really like what we're doing, maybe plumbing aside, leave us a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people like you. And last, wait, but one more thing before the last. The plumbing project is not complete. So you will get an update. Maybe not this next episode, but well, hopefully it'll be done by then. We still have a few things to do there. We've got a working patch. So we have running water. So we're getting a new pump. We feel the pump is starting to fail, so we're a new pump. we got to replace that. That should be trivial, I say, with knock on wood. There you go. should be trivial, right? <laughs> it's the same model, same size, everything like that. And then we need to finish the work around the well, including some hydraulic cement and fun things like that. And last, finally last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, This podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know at museums, ninjas are allowed to touch the art? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.